0: Section zero of Pascendi Dominici Gregis on the errors of the modernists. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Algie Pug Pascendi Dominici Gregis on the errors of the modernists by pope saint Pius x translated by thomas e judge introduction a deplorable and dishonorable tendency common enough in every age of the history of christianity but especially conspicuous at the present hour leads certain minds to avow loudly their allegiance to the catholic church and to parade their professions of loyalty to her institutions In order that they may the more effectively rend her unity by heresy and schism they may not all be equally conscious of the drift of their agitation or of the depth and dangers of their treason carried away by their enthusiasm for mistaken methods of reform held in bondage by their subserviency to false systems of philosophy viewing history and institutions in the warm glow of sentiment and emotion instead of in the cold white light of intelligence they are tossed about by every wind of doctrine after having cast to the waves the guidance of reason authority and tradition their books and pamphlets are generally written in a captivating style because most of their statements derive substance form and color from incandescent imaginations and are confessedly exempted from conforming to the laws either of inductive or deductive logic. It has been well said that while God, in the beginning, created men in His image, men now create Him in their image. The modernists' conception of Him, His attributes, and our relations to Him, are a factitious product, a sort of stromata. To borrow the title of one of clement of alexandria's works formed out of the most heterogeneous philosophical theories the idea of contingency associated with the name of monsieur bertrol herbert spencer's relativity newman's principle of development loisy's conotic hypothesis the pragmatism of professor james and blondel's philosophy of action are blended together in a manner that recalls the ingredients of the cauldron by which the witches foretold the fortunes of Macbeth in the cave on the blasted heath. But the unifying, controlling, and organizing principle of their system is to be sought in Kant's teaching concerning the limitations of our reason and the authority of conscience. The following passage, written more than four years ago by the Reverend William Turner, S.T.D., in his History of Philosophy. Exactly describes the dependence of modernism on the critical philosophy of Immanuel Kant. Kant's influence on the development of thought in the nineteenth century can hardly be overestimated. This philosophy is, as it were, the watershed from which streams of thought flow down in various courses into modern idealism, agnosticism, and even materialism. To this source may also be traced some of the most noteworthy currents of contemporary religious thought, especially the movement toward non-dogmatic Christianity. For it is not difficult to see, in Kant's assertion of the supremacy of the moral law, the origin of the tendency to regard Christianity more as a system of ethics and less as a system of dogmatic truth. No other German, not even Goethe, Has exercised such influence at home and abroad on a current of religious and metaphysical speculation since the publication of his three famous critiques of pure reason a practical reason and of judgment as the sage of konigsberg endeavoring to reconcile the skepticism or pan phenomenalism of Hume who held that we know nothing except phenomena or our own feelings and states of consciousness with the dogmatism of Wolf and Leibniz, who taught that there are necessary and immutable elements in our knowledge which transcend our subjective experience, he distinguished between the content and the forms of knowledge. The former he derives from objects which are otherwise declared to be unknown and unknowable. The latter are furnished by the senses and the mind. So far as our powers of reason extend, therefore, We never can know real things, but only the modes in which they affect us, or the impressions they make on us. We cannot argue from these impressions as effects to the objects that produce them as causes, because the very principle of causality is declared by Kant to be a mere mental form, a means our minds have of unifying and regulating experience but not a principle constituting and organizing the world of objects. What then becomes of religion and morality if we cannot know the existence of God and the freedom and immortality of the soul? They are postulates of the moral law that are guaranteed by the practical reason or by conscience. The starry heavens above and the moral law within, he tells us, always filled him with awe. Its ethical system is sublime in its aim but divorced from a rational and religious basis it resembles a pyramid standing on its apex the supremacy of the practical over the pure or speculative reason logically implies the superiority of action over knowledge the latter is relegated to the position of handmaid to the former furthermore the moral law is an absolute or categorical imperative It does not depend upon God or any other external authority. The human spirit is free, autonomous or self-governing, not heteronomous or the slave of another's will. How flattering this conception is to human pride! The two theories of the superiority of action to knowledge, and of the autonomy of the human spirit, have been adopted and professed with little change by the modernists nay more it is in order to compel christianity to express itself in the forms and terms of kant's system of philosophy that the modern ananiases control and distort the great truths of the trinity the incarnation the resurrection of christ the efficacy of the sacraments and the teaching authority of the church it has been said that st thomas of aquin successfully attempted a similar revolution in converting the mind of the church to an acceptance of the Aristotelian philosophy. Between the two cases there is no parallelism whatever. The physical and metaphysical writings of the Stagirite had been corrupted by Arabian commentators who had received them from the Syrians and Persians, among whom Athenian philosophers banished by Justinian in 529 had found refuge. Pantheists like David of Dinant and Amaury of Chartres deduced their wild systems of pantheism from such perverted sources, and it was on account of these evil associations that Aristotle's writings were condemned at the Council of Paris in 1210. But about 1260, William of Mirbeca, at the request of St. Thomas and, as it appears, of Urban IV, translated the complete works of Aristotle into Latin. The Aristotle that was condemned was hostile. The Aristotle that was accepted was favorable to the great truths of Christianity, and it was the latter that St. Thomas made a pedagogue unto Christ, and whose system he employed for the purpose of elaborating a philosophy of the Christian religion, which left intact the substance of its dogmas, even as understood by the simplest of the faithful. What parallelism can be drawn, then, between so sane and conservative a reform and reconstruction of theological science, and a revolutionary and anarchistic upheaval, that denies the authority and infallibility of the church, the efficacy of their sacraments, reduces Christ to the mere category of noble men, and proclaims His resurrection a hallucination of the fancy? The relation of modernists and pragmatists to the church Is analogous to that of Protagoras to Plato. They are the modern sophists. They teach that man is the measure of all things, that motion and change are universal, that nothing known to the human mind is fixed, static, eternal. But the Church proclaims the reality of immutable truth, the rights of the sovereignty of God over the mind and conscience, the supernatural vocation of man. In other words, not only the basic principles of all religion and morality, but the very conditions of right and consistent thinking. As the years pass and prejudices disappear, the encyclical of Pius X on the errors of the modernists will come to be regarded as one of the most important documents ever issued by the Holy See in the course of its sublime history. End of introduction.